Well, friends, I know we're very preoccupied by the events of this past week. But before I say anything about that, I I want to begin this morning by telling you something about our emerging work in Washington Heights. To recap our situation there, several years ago, this church made a visionary claim on the future by deciding to commit itself to partner with another city community to help alleviate suffering, promote the common good, and advance the cause of the gospel of Christ. The big vision was informally stated internally as breaking the back of poverty in a zip code. On the one hand, a bit grandiose, I suppose. On the other, a goal worthy of the sustained commitment of a dynamic congregation over many years. In the discovery process, we befriended a small Methodist congregation managing a massive deteriorating building at 173rd on Upper Broadway. The community in which this church is embedded is largely Latino with many, many poor immigrants. Finding common cause, our congregations agreed that the Washington Heights Church would merge into Christ Church, which was formalized last year. We're now a two-campus operation. We completed a small refurbishment of a portion of that building that provided a nice space for our initial work with mothers with children zero to three years of age. That got underway this past summer. So we have two sites in which we live our mission to love God above all things and our neighbors as ourselves. Many of you and many of your friends have offered many volunteer hours as well as generous material gifts supporting this effort, and we're off to a great start. Monica Guzman, who directs this program called El Nido, or The Nest, has been attracting young mothers at a fast rate. And if you haven't yet met Monica, I invite you to do so. She happens to be sitting up here behind the pillar kind of quietly. But afterwards, I would imagine downstairs you should meet her. She has a beautiful spirit and a spectacularly coherent Christian faith that imbues everything she does. And our Reading Corner project, Fostering Literacy, is also gathering a growing roster of participants. Well, one day... One mother asked Monica if she could arrive early for the program so her baby could crawl in a safe and comfortable space. And Monica realized, kind of all of a sudden, that she had another potential program on her hands. Because here's the stark truth. People who live in poverty have no space. They live in very close quarters, 
in tiny spaces with many people per room. There is no space for an infant to simply crawl around and explore. Space, as you know, is a great luxury in New York City, all the more so for people who live in poverty. So, a new ancillary program has begun, a time for mothers to come with their babies to play and crawl in a safe and warm environment, finding personal and spiritual support and encouragement. A small thing, right? And simultaneously huge. Friends, the opportunity to accomplish good ends in this arena is extraordinary. The Remnant Congregation partners with us in this new effort, and ultimately we seek to reignite a dynamic faith community in Washington Heights, born from the same missional genetics of loving God and neighbors that we have here. And let me also remind you that our reach has extended to South America, where we established a partnership with the Methodist Church of Columbia seven years ago. We built their first wholly-owned church and community center in a desperately poor neighborhood outside of Cartagena, populated by people displaced by the devastation of both war and vicious weather. This congregation's sweat and financial equity made that possible, along with a successful microfinance program. And as you know, we're involved in many other ways in service, not least is keeping this space open 10 hours a day as spiritual sanctuary. Many people walk in here during the day. It's a ministry to the city, you see, just to be open, safe sanctuary. I'm thinking it was busier than usual this past week. We feed the homeless on Sundays. We host one of the largest and oldest continuing meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous in the city dating from the early 1940s. I don't even know if you're aware of that. It's one of the earliest founded meetings ever. It still meets here. It fills this space to standing room only every Tuesday night. It's worth coming along and just checking it out. And of course, we also nurture a remarkably diverse collection of children and adults like all of you here gathered in worship and growth opportunities. Our life together matches our stated commitment to love God and neighbor. That is a beautiful thing to admit. I bet you are a part of many organizations whose stated purpose and their existence do not match. We have placed our time, our talent, and our resources at God's disposal. And as it has been in the past, I would tell you that this is my anchor in our current political moment. 
Many, probably most of you, are confounded and disoriented by the election shock, and I suspect that's true for voters on all sides, winners and losers alike, so to speak. What does this mean? What shall be done? We will have weeks and months to digest and discern. Still, what I would tell you is that the followers after the way of Jesus stay anchored to their core mission, loving God and loving neighbors as themselves. All of their neighbors. All of their neighbors. All of them, every last one of their neighbors, especially the most vulnerable, the poor, the immigrant, the bullied and abused, those who lack opportunity, the different, the dreaded other, and those that are afraid because of the hateful rhetoric that's been thrown around in this bizarre season. I've had people come to speak with me about their fear. We stand with all of those because that's where Jesus stood. We'll retain a clear focus on how this works out morally and ethically in our, in our commitments and behaviors and as citizens of a great nation. We know who we are and whose we are and how faith, hope, and love continue to abide. In our first reading this morning, the prophet has a vision of new heavens and a new earth, painting a vivid picture of what this might look like. There are houses to live in, vineyards to plant, fruit to eat. There are infants who thrive, it says specifically, and old persons who live healthy lives, wolves and lambs, serpents and humans, all living together peacefully. This new earth would be anybody's dream world. The people hearing this message have been brought back from exile to enjoy the land once more, but they are divided, fractious, and cynical about their prospects. Their lives are difficult. All that happens to them matters to God, the prophet proclaims. That's clear. It's also clear that the way they conduct their lives and business now matters too. God wants this people to thrive, but their thriving requires their participation. They're called to align themselves with God's good purposes. God intends to weave something wonderful from human chaos and confusion. That is God's intention. You know, back at the beginning of our church year, we read another text in which Jesus is preaching his first sermon, starting his ministry in his hometown church. And this is what he quoted, the very same prophet we read this morning. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, friends, to be a follower after the way of Jesus means we join that program. Because that program aligns with God's good purposes for the world. And you heard Jesus call his friends to be salt and light in a world that often lives in ignorance and darkness. 
Is it a great irony or a surprising serendipity that today has been designated as the day we receive pledges of support from our members and friends under the banner Hope and a Future Sunday? Here's what occurred to me this week. You see, this provides an excellent opportunity for each one of us to stake a claim on the future and our commitment to the values that we seek to advance in our community. It inspires tangible action, something to do, a time and a place to affirm what's best about us and our church and our nation, especially at this contentious moment. A sacrament of hope, I tell you. That's what we can make of this. Hearing the call of our better angels, and that quotes our finest president. In his second inaugural, during the worst time of our history, Listening to the better angels, you see, we can rise from our seats and in a spirit of peace, we can join sisters and brothers in a common bond of faith and hope as we present our pledge before God and one another. And it is so very good to do this in person, especially this year. I'm sorry I forgot to introduce the piece earlier. You all noticed it, I know. (laughs) We'll pick it up at the announcements because it's so very important. We see who's in this room. And you are not all of the same mind. But we are sisters and brothers together, united in a common purpose. It's a purpose that's larger than any other purpose that there is. And it's so important you look into the eyes of your sisters and brothers and say the equivalent of, take my hand. Stand with me beside Jesus. Because that's the call. Let's do this with a prayerful heart and a humble heart, knowing that each one of us is not the smartest person in the world. Let's do it with a prayerful heart for with those with whom we disagree, for our nation, our president and president-elect, and all who dare wear the mantle of governmental authority. But let's also commit, friends, to holding ourselves and them accountable to the standards of love and justice that Jesus advances. And let us ourselves be partners together in advancing the same cause. As the saying go, goes, let all of us be the change that we want 
putting our lives and our resources on the line because that's where it matters. Giving more than we had intended after the manner of Jesus who gave everything for our sake and the sake of the world.